Good morning. You can turn with your with me if you have a Bible to Second Thessalonians three. It's a joy to be here. I, I was talking with Tafik, and I wish I could have made it up here just to just to see you all and just to see Tafik. I miss him. I'm really good friends with him, and and uh, and and Reese and his family. I, I knew them back from Missouri, um, and so it, it's just a delight to see the brethren. <laughs> it's just such a joy. All right, Second Thessalonians chapter three, and we're going to be looking particularly at verse five. Um, so we want to read verses one through five, just to kind of get a context of what's going on here. And if, if you'll study First and Second Thessalonians, the, the beginning chapters, we've got Paul's coming to them, knowing that these Thessalonians they're going through some suffering and some and some bad doctrine. We've got, we've got people telling the Thessalonians, Christ has already come. He's already come. You guys missed it. And he's saying, don't worry. That has not happened. You know, certain things are going to take place before Christ comes back. And so he knows they're going through suffering and there's some bad doctrine. And so this is what Paul wants to tell these Christians. Um, particularly, this is what Paul is, is praying for these Christians in verse 5. That the, he wants the Lord to do for them. Paul was a, was a praying man. It would it, be a good study for you all to just look at all of Paul's prayers and see how he prayed. They were very big prayers. Um, they weren't just for deliverance from suffering, but they were very specific prayers, big prayers, and how they would view things and how they would see more of God. So let's read verses 1 through 5 of chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would, will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So you've got evil men, and you've got the evil one. We've got the devil, we've got his instruments, evil men. And we see that they're against the gospel. They're against it spreading. They're against Paul. They're against these Christians. They're, they're, they're against us. The, the title of my message, message is, When Evil Abounds, God's Love, Our Motivation. And then later on, When Evil Abounds, Christ's Steadfastness, Our Example. We're going to see that in verse 5 as we go on. But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Let's pray once again. Father, we do indeed, as Raymond prayed, Lord, we, we just ask for your spirit today. Ask for you to come today, to draw near today, Lord. We know you're always with us. We know you are faithful. Lord, we are here because you are faithful. We are here because you have 
directed our hearts this week because you have kept the things of God on our hearts and on our minds. and You've given us faith to believe your promises. Lord, though our faith is small and pitiful, Lord, you've kept us. And we thank you. We praise you with all of our heart, all of our being, Lord. It's such a privilege to look at your word again and to just, just, just come away and be with you and to think on you. Lord, to come away from the world, to escape this evil world, that we are the ones escaping. We are the ones who have been saved. Saved from sin. Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from eternal destruction. We thank You. We praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, isn't it a wonder, brethren, just that you're here this morning? And isn't it and the, one of the very reasons that Paul is praying this that you're not one of these evil men, that you're not one against God, but you're for Him because simply the Lord has directed your heart. There's a point in time in your lives where the Lord, He spoke to you and He directed you to the things of God. So first of all, notice that 5, verse 5, is a prayer. Paul is praying this. And it's a prayer that you guys can pray for each other. It's a prayer that you can pray for yourself. It's, it's a very good prayer. It's a, it's a prayer that doesn't necessarily mean, Lord, take these saints out of this issue, out of this problem. And we know that's fine. We can pray for each other. Lord, would you just deliver them from this? You know, Paul prays that we would be rescued from perverse and evil men. Just simply rescued, taken out of this situation. But Paul, in, at this time, he's, he's saying, I want the Lord to specifically do something for you. And so you may ask, um, Wednesday, a prayer meeting. You know, how do we pray for the Christians in, in Myanmar, China, or Lebanon, or Nepal? How do you pray for each other when they're, they're going through difficult times, when evil abounds? Well, right here we have an example. Paul, he prays, Lord, would you direct that brother or sister? Would you direct them into the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ? Would you do that for them? Would you grant them peace in every circumstance? Like he says in 3.16, the Lord of peace Himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. You see, Paul knows that the heart is, is the battleground. If you can get your heart right, if your heart is full of love, if your heart is at peace with God, if your heart is directed to the things of God, there, there can be thousands of enemies around. There can be enemies all around, but you've got a table right before you, like Psalms 23. He prepares a table before me. There can be complete and utter peace. Only the Christian can say that just simply because of what God has done for us. And so he knows they may, the Lord may have this for them. He may have them going through some really severe trials and some difficulties. But if the Lord is directing their hearts, they're going to be okay. So Paul knows that. Paul knows the necessity of this prayer. He knows that this is a very needed prayer, and it's a very good prayer, and it's going to help them. So, so Paul, that's my first point, is just that Paul knows this is what these Christians need. He knows their dependency upon the Lord's help in the midst of this evil is for them to be directed to just how much God has loved them. Just how much Christ endured. Um, and so, if, if you look at verse 4, here's an interesting point. 
uh, going along with this need for the prayer, the necessity of the prayer, Paul says we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you're, going to, you're doing and you will continue to do what we command. And so, here again, maybe you look at each other, you see a family, you see a, a brother or sister, they're running well, they're doing really well. What's our, what's our tendency? Well, we kind of we stop praying for them. <laughs> and we kind of just, well, they seem to be doing well, they're running well, and so we pray about some other need. And I, and I know the difficulty of that, there's so much to pray for. But Paul, as a missionary, you know, here he is, he's, he's got some distance, he's not there with them, but he knows if they're going to continue to do well, I need to keep praying for them. I need to keep asking that the Lord would continue to direct them to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. And so I think that's a good thing to keep in mind, a good encouragement. You all are running well. We want to keep praying for you all to be directed all the more. Like he says in the beginning of this letter, you all are abounding in love for one another. You indeed do practice it toward all the brethren, but brethren, would you excel still more in your love for each other? And so we keep going on. Paul wants them to keep going on, and he's praying that they would do so, that the Lord would do that for them. So another reason for the prayer, a need for the prayer, is just the the reality of evil all around us. Yeah, and I was was just thinking the other day about Romans 1 and the downward spiral of men. I was thinking with, with Hunter coming up, just the the reality of, of how much things have changed just in the last five years. People you, you know who have fallen away. They're no longer with us. Now they're, now they're against us. And it's just the reality of evil abounding in the world. And, and this is the answer, brethren. This is the answer for you all, for every Christian. There's evil all around us, but would God, the Lord Himself, direct us to the love of God? That's, that's the answer. Paul, he... He felt it. I don't know who Alexander the coppersmith was, but if you remember in 2 Timothy, he said he did much harm. Much harm. I'm sure you all can think of people in your own life where they once were so, so near, so sweet, and, and yet they did you much harm. And so Paul is saying, you know, that, that's the tendency, the danger is when they, someone's done us much harm to retaliate, to, turn, to, to give it back to them. And Paul, when we're directed to the love of God, he knows they're not going to want to do that. <laughs> they're going to want to love those people as God has loved them. So he's saying, Lord, would you show them how God has loved you so that you would be able to love others like God loved you. That's what Paul's, Paul is getting at. That's the heart of this message this morning that I want you all to go away with to feel is just more the love of God for yourself that, that you would be able to display it to others, to this evil world, to this, this, this world that just, it just doesn't your heart break? I mean, just coming into this city of Austin and just seeing all the, the commerce, all, all the people going here and there and, and you know, talking with a, a guy at, at work, like just all he was going to do on Sunday, you know, it wasn't coming to the meetings, it wasn't thinking about God, and, and you, just, you just feel for the lost. They're in such a bad way, they're, eternity is upon them, they don't know where they're going, and so far be it that we would want to 
get at them for something that they have done to us, we would be doing the same thing if it wasn't for God's love. So, Paul wants them to see that. So, secondly, if you look at 5, we see you know, it's a prayer or direct, but who's doing the directing? Well, it's the Lord Himself. It's our, it's our own God. It's our own Lord Himself who <clears throat> created us. He's, he's the one directing us. He's the one. Like, I grew up on a farm, and um, when you grow up on a farm, you get to drive a car a lot earlier than 16. <laughs> so I would be driving the car on the farm and, or on, on the back roads. You know, it'd start to go off, and Dad would have to reach over and grab the wheel and direct it back, you know, otherwise we'd crash. And, uh, and just the same with the Christian, the same with us. You know, we may be going down a bad path, and the Father who reaches over and He directs their hearts just to better things, <laughs> to staying on the road, staying in the path, staying on the narrow way. That's what the Lord does for the Christian. We have, we have the Lord Himself, brethren, reaching into our lives, reaching down, coming down, and directing our lives. <laughs> Isn't that a comfort? I mean, you wake up, you wake up tomorrow, <laughs> there's the Lord again. He's faithful. And we see that verse 3. The Lord is faithful. He faithfully directs your life. I mean, that's why you're here this morning is simply because every moment of your life, the Lord has, even when you were lost, now at so, out, how much more as a Christian, He's going to direct your hearts in every step of the way. Psalms 37, the path of the righteous, um, he, he, he establishes their steps. Every step of the way. We may, we're not going to see... You know, the tenth step, we're going to see the next one. You know, just enough light for the next step. But the Lord knows exactly. He's, he's way ahead. He knows the beginning and the end. He knows, he knows it all. That's the, that the Lord Himself is directing us. You know, we, we need each other. We need Raymond. We need Hunter. We need each other to, hey, brother, sister, think on this. You know, to direct us to the Word of God. We need each other. Um, we need our elders. We need those to, to, to look at the Word and teach us. We need to go to the Word ourselves. But this is not what Paul is saying. He's asking the Lord Himself to do it. And I love that. It's the Lord Himself specifically taking time in our lives to teach us and show us and direct us. And so, think of how the Lord, He knew every thought and intention of the heart. You know, in Genesis before the flood, he knew every thought. He not only knew our deeds, but he knew why we did what we did, like our motives behind everything that we did. That's the one directing us. Jesus, when he when he was here, he said he didn't. He knew all people, and so he wasn't entrusting himself to them because he knew all people. He knew their hearts. Um, the Lord taught this. He knew this. You know, the good treasure out of his heart produces good. And the evil, out of, out of the evil treasure produces evil. I'm not quoting it quite right, but you get the idea. Like It's out of the heart. The Lord knows the heart. The Lord directs the heart. The heart is very important to the Lord. Where our hearts are at. You know, if you're about to go into a, a major surgery, and it would be much more comforting knowing that you, your surgeon was experience 30 years, 40 years into this particular um, surgery, heart surgery or whatever. You know, at work sometimes I joke with, with patients. I'm a paramedic and so sometimes I'll joke with them and say, hey, I'm going to start an IV. It's 
my first time, but I watched a video, so it's okay, don't worry about it. I'm just going to watch this video real quick, start this IV. <laughs> the other look on their face is hilarious. But see, that's not the case here. The surgeon is, is the Lord himself. He's the one who actually made our hearts. He knows our hearts. He knows the secrets of our hearts. He's able to discern our hearts. I mean, brethren, oftentimes we can even, it's hard to even know why we did what we did. Like, why did I do that? What was my motive behind that? Why did I actually say that or do that? And at the end of the day, we can be able to say, Lord, you know. You know why I did that. Lord, you know my heart. Search my heart, O God. Try me and see if there be any evil way. That's what, that's what David prayed. That's what we want to pray. We know the Lord knows our hearts. We know that he, He's able to get our attention. I mean, it's just like a pilot. He goes to school to learn how to direct the plane. Um, that's, that's the big thing, is properly directing the plane to land and to take off. And so the Lord knows exactly how to do that. He knows how to exactly direct our hearts to heaven to be with Him. That's how much He, he loves us. You know, the heart, yes, the heart is very big to the Lord. It, the Bible points out things like Amaziah didn't seek the Lord with his whole heart. Uh, the Lord wants us to love Him with all of our hearts. So the heart's very big to the Lord. And, and the Lord, Paul wants the Lord to direct our hearts. Not our minds, um, our thoughts. Those are, that's very good. But particularly our hearts. Um, it's the heart that the Lord is after. He wants our heart. Not, not our works. Not, not just our Sundays. <laughs> But every day, our hearts, like our motives, why do we really love the Lord? Do we, are we here to please Him in everything we, we do? And so, yeah, we need that in our hearts. So, let's look now. We looked at how it's a prayer and who's directing and how needful the prayer is. Um, and so let's look at the area of what Paul wants their hearts to be directed to. That is the love of God. God's love for us. And like I said earlier, in, in, in real short, Paul's asking that, that they would be directed to God's love, that they would be then able to, to love like God loved. That's, in summary, that's what I'm getting at. And so again, think if you're going to the Grand Canyon and you have a, a guide to, to guide you in the Grand Canyon. So that would be great, you know, to have a guide who knows kind of a lot of the Grand Canyon. That would be good, really helpful versus just you going there by yourself. I mean, it'd still be, be really amazing. But it's just such a small example, but I love the thought of this. Like here, it's the Lord himself showing us the Grand Canyon. Look how I made it. Look how, how I did this. It's the Creator himself showing us how he loved us. It's... It's really fascinating. Like the Lord Himself, look how I loved you. Like I know how I loved you. And, and a preacher could be like the director in the Grand Canyon showing how God loved you this morning, brethren. But Paul's praying that, no, not the preacher, get him out of here. I want the Lord Himself to show you, Christian, how much He's loved you. And so that, that's what we're talking about. In this huge Grand Canyon. It's like he's, Paul's praying, Lord, would you just take each of you all, each of these brethren by the hand and lead them into the ocean of your love and just show them how much God has loved you. I love that hymn. 
could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. That is what Paul's wanting them to see. And so, three areas, and we're going to see them all from the uh, surrounding verses here, three areas that I think maybe Paul had on his mind as far as what he wanted these, these Christians to be directed to. So first of all, God's choosing of them. You can see this in, in 2.13. But we should, give, we should always give thanks to, to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. So election, God's choosing us. Remember how God chose you before the foundation of the world. Remember how God saved you from the very beginning. When you did not just nothing to earn it, but you actually were a hater of God, a sinner. God chose you and loved you. He loved us first when there was no reason whatsoever for Him to love us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us while we were like that. Out of all the people in the world, all the rulers, all Genghis Khan and, and all the princes and the kings and and uh, the business people, like here you all are, here I am. God loved us. He chose us. He, he knows every star by name, every hair on your head, and God knows you. He specifically pulled you out of the miry clay and loved you. In contrast, look at, at 1 Thessalonians 5.9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there you have the opposite. Not destined for wrath. You're not destined for wrath, brother, sister. You're not destined for wrath. You're destined for glory. God chose you to be destined for glory. He chose you to be with Him forever, for all of eternity. He chose you from the very beginning. Your name, to give you a new name, a new stone, a name specifically given to you to be with Him for all of eternity. Not wrath, but mercy. Not judgment, but salvation. Yeah, what a thing. So Paul, he's concerned. He's he's worried about the trials. He's worried about the the bad doctrine that they're getting. But he's praying at the same time Lord, direct them to this, that God chose them, God loved them, that they would continue on, that they would persevere in the midst of all this evil. They wouldn't give up. He knows that if they see some of this love, they're going to go on. They're going to press on. They're going to endure. It's just like Romans 5, verse 5, it says, And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And again, it's not like, 
I'm hoping you Christians go to the Word of God and renew your mind. That's good. That's right. We should do that. You know, renew your mind. Um, think on things above. That, that's great. But he's, he's praying for the Lord Himself to directly pour His love into their hearts. And it, it's like this, this great, special assurance of salvation. It's, it's like Romans 8 says, the Spirit Himself. I like that. It's Himself. Just like the Lord Himself directing us. Bear witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And you know, we're not, it's not just theology. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just, it's just, it's not just going to John 3.16 and saying, yeah, I believe that God so loved the world that He sent His Son and He died for me. You know, I believe that. I wouldn't perish but have eternal life. That's, that's like, that's good. I'm not, not saying anything against that, but that's deducing something from the text and saying, I can see that based off what it says. I believe that. And we, we should do that. Just believe the Word of God. But what I'm getting at is just, this is more experiential, brethren. This is more of the Lord Himself particularly speaking to an individual's heart, saying, you're mine. I mean, each of you have children. You love your children. And they, and they know you love them. But there's, for, for whatever reason, maybe it's something that they do. But I, I want to I say that it's, it's just, you're going about the day and haven't done anything. Maybe they've actually done, like, just really disobedient that day. But for whatever reason, you just reach down and you grab them and you just love them just because they're your children. Like, I don't know if you've ever done that. I remember my parents doing that. It's where I, in fact, I just re- I remember when it's like, why? Why? Like, I, haven't really, I haven't done anything to earn it. I wasn't that particularly good today. That's what, that's what Paul wants the Lord to, to do, that they would see. That they would see that. That just the Lord would reach down and just hug them and love them. And that's, that's who it, what it's like to be a Christian. It's very experiential. I know there's times of dryness, but don't, don't settle for that, brethren. Keep asking. It's a prayer. Like if it wasn't obtainable, it wouldn't be here. If it wasn't something to pray, Paul wouldn't be praying it. And so you can pray it too. If you, if you feel like, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure. I, you know, the Bible seems dry. Well, well don't stop. Keep going, keep asking, keep praying that the Lord would specifically show you that He loves you. So secondly, God's comfort. 2.16 Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Comfort. We have such a short life, such a short life here, and, and the world, it's all about comfort, isn't it, now? I mean, just, you know, just softer sheets, softer pillows, uh, better retirement, cooler beaches, you know, just anything to get some comfort to escape the realities of sin and how it's not a bad thing, you know, it's not a bad thing to get a nicer bed. I'm not, not downplaying that, I'm just saying, like, the comfort now is, is that's totally consumes the world's mind. How can I get more comfort? 
But we, it's so temporary. We have an eternal comfort, brethren, that's waiting for us. Eternal comfort. These, these Christians here in Thessalonians, they're going through a lot. You know, we're, we're probably not going to face exactly what they faced. We face more of, more of a smile than a, than a sword, I've heard it say, said before. But yet, the same tendency is for us to seek comfort now. But Paul's saying, no, don't, don't look at the comfort now. I know the trials are coming, but set your, your mind on the, the eternal comfort. The comfort that God's going to bring when there's no tears, no sorrows, no pain. Eternal comfort with the Lord forever. In contrast, one nine of the same letter. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. And those who do not obey the Gospel, those who seek comfort now, those who seek to save their life now, those who, who reject Christ, reject His loving arms, reject the truth, the love of the truth, they will... Eternal destruction. That's, that's their judgment away from the presence of the Lord. What... What a kindness the Lord would do that for us. Not giving us what we deserve, but rather giving us eternal comfort with Him. So, thirdly, the glory of the Lord. We find this in 2.14. It was for this He called you through our Gospel that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gain the glory. The glory of Christ. He won, he won eternal glory for us. He took on death and hell and the devil and sin and all the evil. The enemies were great, but He was greater. Our sins were many, but His mercy was more. His redemption was bigger. He took all of that on to gain us glory. Glory with Him. The glory of the only begotten Son. And as a, as a small example, I thought about thought about in, in, in the area of sports, a baseball game. You know, you've, got, you've got the game, it's the last game in the series, and it's, it's intense. Everyone's wondering what's going to happen. It's the last pitch, and the pitcher throws a strike, and they win it. They win the World Series. And, and you see the son of the pitcher come running up, and he grabs, the pitcher grabs his son, he's holding him, and he's holding the trophy, and like that's a small, just a super, super small picture. It's like, we're the child. He gained it all. He, he gained the glory, the trophy. And we're just partaking with Him in His glory. Like That's what He did for us. There we are in His arms. And He's won it for us. He gained us glory. And so that, that I think, is another area that Paul is praying the Lord would direct their hearts to. This coming week, you know, it's already been won for you guys this coming week. You can face the week knowing that Christ, He gained the glory, gained the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ for you. He called you to that glory. So, take that as an encouragement as well. Take that and, and lay hold of it and believe it and pray it. Pray it just like Paul for each other and for yourself that we would see more of the glories to come. So, just a few applications. Like I said earlier, your assurance, 
what a, what a precious thing, brethren, our assurance. And if you're going through trials, having gone through a recent trial, it, it's just it's one of the most precious times in a sense because the Lord specifically tells you in those trials you're mine. And, and, and I think that is exactly why Paul, Paul is saying this right here in this letter after talking about trials in First and Second Thessalonians is because he himself knows the particular way that the Lord pours out love in a person's heart when they're going through trials. It's a unique, a special, an intimate way that the Lord does it. So your assurance. If you don't have assurance this morning, I just would simply say many, many of the world doesn't stop to know without a doubt that their financial assets are, are secure. How much more your soul? So secondly, a lost world. You know, those who know that God loves them, they're, they're going after a lost soul. They're going to the mission field. They're going. It's, it's like that song, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You know, when, I, when I've seen how much God loves me, I'm not thinking, oh, I don't really feel like going out tonight. You know, like my, my co-worker, was, he was saved not too long ago. The Lord saved him. And after God had saved him, before it was like just excuses about sin. Oh, you can't know if you're a Christian. You know, he even said something like, I mean, how, how do we know Paul the Apostle was even saved? He was pretty far out there. And God just so mightily, graciously saved him. He came in one day and he's like, I was reading through Romans. He used to hate Romans because he could never understand it. And he's like, I couldn't get past the first verse. Like the thing of being a bondservant of Christ Jesus. And I mean, that's what we're talking about here. He knew God had particularly loved him. And he, he just couldn't wait to tell people. He couldn't wait to share about what God had done for him. And so just the lost, the lost world around us, when we, when we experience God's love, we want to go out and reach them. Um, the, the devil knows that a church full of Christians who know without a doubt that God loves them, they're a very dangerous church. They're a church that are... are going to say it demands my life it demands my all what what can if he's done that for me there's nothing too costly there's no sacrifice too great for him and so yeah we, we talked a little bit about trials just the reality of of uh, when you when your hearts are, are uh, directed to these things we, we can look at trials rightly and put them in their proper perspective you know knowing that a child of God is disciplined. The world isn't disciplined because they're not His children. Yeah, they go through suffering, but it's not for their good. And every, every suffering that you go through, dear child, is for your good because you're a child of God. And, and so, the trials and the love of God, those things go hand in hand. It may not seem like it, but they are for your good. They're... they're uniquely used by the Lord to direct your heart to the things of God, to the things of heaven, to not get stuck down here, not get weighed down down here, to look down here, to cause your heart to get you know, entwined with the things down here, entangled with the things down here. That's why the Lord gives us trials. And, yeah, overcoming sin. The, the devil is tricky. He's cunning. 
he's, he's got lies like we see here in 2 Thessalonians, and Paul knows he's, he's wanting the Lord to, to direct them here, to protect them from sin. And so just some closing thoughts along with these applications. Um, some, some thoughts that we may come into our minds and cause us... May, may these verses cause you to think rightly in how you deal with others. You know, others around us, the brethren, our enemies. So, think about this thought. I will wait until they make the first move. These, I got these from a, a different a preacher, so they're not, they're not original with me. I will wait till they make their first move. You know, like something needs to be done. There's something between a brother or sister or, you know, maybe, you're, maybe your boss, your lost coworker or something. They do something it's just completely outlandish. Like it's just hateful. And, well, you know, they did it. I'll, make, I'll, I'll wait till they make their first move. But then you think of 1 John 4.19. He loved us. We love because He first loved us. And that's what we're talking about. To love like God loved us. Direct their hearts to this right here. Wait, I, I can't wait till they make the first move when God made the first move with me. Like, I can't do that. That's what we're talking about. So I'll wait till they, they measure up. Like, till they, they do something, then I'll come and, you know, okay, they did that, now I'm good. I'll... Then you got Romans 5.8, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God's love for us. What he did, what that person did was unforgivable. I can't forgive them for that. But Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another and always forgiving one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Another one, they've never done anything for me. No reason to reach out. <laughs> John 3.16, For God so loved the world. You know, God reached out. God loved me. God forgave me. He did all this for me. All right, well, I'll, I'll do a little bit. You know, like having someone over for dinner. Well, I'll have them over, but, you know, I won't cook the best meal for them because they don't deserve that. <laughs> then you think about Romans 5, 5. He poured out into our hearts the love of God through the Spirit. You know, it, the Lord didn't do some small thing. He did an extravagant thing. Something beyond comprehension. What, a, what an amazing, amazing example. <laughs> so may the Lord do that this morning for us. Let's pray. Lord, we, we do just thank You for Your love to us in sending Your Son to die for us, Father. Lord, we don't want to forget, Father, just how You loved us. God, how You sent Your Son before the foundation of the world. You loved us. So we do thank You. Ask for Your blessing upon the rest of the meeting. In Jesus' name, Amen.